0: I wasn't going out in to talk about sort of the dwindling black population in Austin, but that was baked in each one of the conversations. So it's like something else through the conversation, like popped out that definitely aligns with what my values are. And it was through sort of arts, culture, and the community. Podcasting can open
1: doors, create an intimate connection with your audience, and even reveal hidden truths. Podcasting can also transform your life. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Rob Lee is the host of the Truth in This Art podcast, which examines the intersections of art, culture, and community, both in Baltimore, Maryland, and beyond. I had the pleasure of being on Rob's podcast way back in 2022, and it was long past due for me to invite him to come on It's All Journalism and talk about his experience as a podcaster, interviewer, and champion of Charm City. Rob, welcome to It's All Journalism.
0: Thank you, Michael. This is great. I appreciate sort of the, you know, the sort of home and home, you know, being able to come (laughs) on to to your show. It's great.
1: Have you interviewed a lot of podcasters on your podcast?
0: Not many, you know, that use it as their primary thing, right? You know, you can assume that, oh yeah, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a boxer, but I also podcast. It's like, sure. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that's
1: podcasting's thing. It's not the main thing. It's the thing that contributes to the main thing, the thing that draws attention. At least that's been my experience. But anyway, as I said before, you know, you and I spoke in 2022. I'm going to run down a couple of things about that interview. First of all, you reached out to me on LinkedIn and I was a bit of a dick <laughs> as I remember it. You know, I, I'm so busy. I can't do that. And I'm sorry. It, you know, it's just, I can't find the time. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm the same guy as Rob. I send out emails all the time to ask people if they would mind giving me their time. And I've I've been fortunate that most people that I've reached out to have said, yes, so why should I be a dick to you? So I I came back and I I spoke to you and said, hey, let's do this. And we did it. And it was a fun conversation. You have a different type of podcast. and, And just to sort of speak to the journalists in this office, this is... We've been on a, a podcast about different types of media and how people are using them. Podcasting is certainly one of those mediums, has been in, in the digital space. And I think maybe this is something that will come out, but I have this feeling that podcasting has changed a lot in the last couple of years. And I kind of want to get your, your take on it. But first of all, tell me a little bit about the truth in this art. What motivated you to start it?
0: Yeah, it goes back. I've been a podcaster for about 15 years. It'll be 15 in uh, February. And it's one of those things where you know, I got to about 10 years of doing it, just a whole podcast, a comedy and pop culture podcast. And, you know, it was fun. It was enjoyable. I got a lot of kicks out of it. But at the same time, I wanted to do something that was representative of the city. So, you know, at a point in doing that pop culture podcast, I became a part of a podcast network. And you know how those deals go. Sometimes it just wasn't a very beneficial deal. And the folks there running it, Took a lot of weird shots at Baltimore, knowing full well that me and my co-hosts are from Baltimore and very much champions of Baltimore. And it got to this point of this sort of uh, fork in the road decision thing. And I was just like, I, I don't think I want to really do this with them anymore. So the crumbs were there that, you know, I kind of burnt that bridge, you know, them talking really ill about Baltimore. This was during Freddie Gray. So it was very sensitive and them taking very weird shots And racially coded shots. And this is like leading into Trump and all of that stuff. And they're just having a great time. I was like, oh, you've revealed yourself. You're these people. So, you know, I was doing two podcasts at the time. One was more of this sort of news centric. And we were very much covering a lot of stuff around Freddie Gray. And the other one was the, the pop culture one. So, you know, a few years go by. And I always had this sort of slant on the pop culture one. It was current events, pop culture, weird news. And we started throwing in a little bit more of this Baltimore centric stuff. And I was like, I feel like I could do a whole podcast about Baltimore, you know, and sort of like how I see it, because I think it's a lot of misinformation out there. And it started coming very politically or just aware, right, of what's happening in the scene. So, you know, 2019, we had Trump say Baltimore is just a city filled with rats. And I was like, yeah, it's rats here, but it's rats in New York and New Jersey and D.C., Let's call it a spade. I was there the other day. Huge rats. They... <laughs> oh my god!
1: You go down into the metro. You see the rats running along the um, the tracks. Come to D.C., folks. <laughs> Here to see rats. But yes, please continue.
0: And so in that, I wanted to, you know, do my part to to show Baltimore through my lens, through the lens of arts, culture, and community. And I really, really wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I knew the response was going to be towards that sentiment, because I didn't feel it was a sentiment about the city or truly representative of the city. I felt it was a sentiment about certain people in the city, people that look like me, people that are, you know, from sort of marginalized communities. You know, like, I always have this thing of you go to New York, you know, New York is New York, right? But you can't come there as an outsider talking very spicy about New York without, you know, somebody maybe slapping you in the mouth. So I wanted to do that maybe verbally and kind of disprove this notion that Baltimore is quote unquote, a bad city. Baltimore is a city filled with about 70% black people. So when I hear Baltimore, this, 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 I'm hearing you're talking about black people and, you know, sort of these disposable communities often, you know, underrepresented and marginalized. And I thought like, hmm, who has a really good cross section that just doesn't hit this story or that story? I wanted to talk with, artists. And I think having them share their work and what goes into their work is a really good cross section and opening up like whose art is considered art. And, I, and I'll throw this out there. And, you know, one of the things that happened to me actually recently, I um, was awarded like a pretty sizable grant about last year to funded a lot of the work I did last year. And I had someone there who doesn't look like me tell me after I received my award, you know, a nice sizable grant that, oh, you're not an artist. So why did you even get it?
1: Hmm.
0: Huh. While I'm receiving yeah. the award.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure that that was not something that occurred to them in the moment. I'm sure that it might have been something they may have thought about before. Sure. Making that choice to that's where you want to say it. That's when you want to have that conversation. Okay. Just let me check in here and say that I think Baltimore is a great city. And if you haven't been there, if you haven't seen Baltimore, I mean, it's it's a very... I don't know, vibrant city, I would say, you know, DC is vibrant, but kind of in a different way. But Baltimore is, is its own thing. And the fact that you're focusing on art and artists, I think is a a great approach because you're playing against those expectations. Oh, well, let's do a true crime podcast. Let's do this, that, or other type of podcast, but let's, let's look at the community and tell the stories that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Where do you usually get your guests?
0: I'm out there like um going through different publications, sort of the the local arts publications and i'm I'm just in the community I have the hashtags you know I'm out there like looking for the hashtags, but also you know as you can attest to, I'm on LinkedIn sometimes you gotta do something that might feel you know atypical, everyone is on Instagram, and everyone posts their work on instagram and I found in your podcast or your response to me is indicative of it that the second response uh, indicative of it where Sort of the Instagram or even Twitter isn't considered like sort of a serious platform. You have some people respond to you, but I'll have messages that will sit there for like two years. And they're like, oh, man, I'm just seeing this. But if I hit someone on LinkedIn, they're quick. Or even if I say, look, I like your work. I saw it at this show or I saw it in this magazine and I just reach out. I call it ambitious ignorance. i just go out there like just shoot the shot.
1: Let's talk nuts and bolts of the podcast. How often do you publish? And because I know your interviews are a bit longer than ours.
0: In the past, and it's, it's always sort of you know tweaking and you know work in progress to put that sort of disclaimer out there. So far in four years, I'm at 705 interviews, and you know oh. just well four and a half years at this point. And in each sort of year after my peak year of 2022, I did 333 interviews that year, so almost one per day I was putting out.
1: Yeah, like I said, these are long. These are not the 15-minute, you know. Tell me what's what's your favorite thing today. Anyway, go on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of doing these uh, half an hour to 45-minute interviews, sometimes longer. But generally, about 40 minutes is about that sweet spot. And there are a few that hit that 15, but not not often. And, you know, each year since then, hitting that peak of 333, I was like, I was a madman. And, you know, having the full-time job and the sort of real-life thing – And when we got to 2023, I was able to secure some funding to fund that season, most of the work for that season, and that's the only funding I really had up until that point. So that big year 333 completely self-funded. And once I got to 2023, and you know having funding, I was thinking about like how do I want to stretch this out? How do I want to do really hyper curated things? And I'll give you an example of that. You know, in April. I was able to do for Jazz Appreciation Month about fifteen interviews and across multiple cities with jazz musicians, jazz champions, talked to the curator of the Jazz Museum in New Orleans and you know, several musicians in D C, Philadelphia and Baltimore. And I travel for each one of those. So it's just like feeling really cool and really good. So I did about one seventy five last year and the goal in this year is about eighty. You know, so really whittling it down.
1: We were publishing more than once a week. Do you keep much of an eye on your data, you know, to see who, you know, who's listening to what, how long people are sticking around per episode, things like that.
0: Yeah. You know, podcast data is always, you know, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, Spotify, we do this with your data and so on. And, you know, I'm a data analyst in my day job. So I'm always kind of playing with those numbers a bit and, Looking at those analytics and getting a sense of, like, how many downloads are happening and where are they coming from, that's important. So when I go to potential partners or sponsors or even when folks are like, why should I do your podcast and they want to see a pitch deck, I'm like, this is hyper-targeted. You have a show that's going to be in Baltimore. 75% of my listeners are in Baltimore. You might want to pull up, you know, (laughs) or even going back to when I first started this extension of the podcast, of the truth in this art, I've been doing sort of the truth in this art beyond, right? And stepping out of Baltimore a bit intentionally and going to other cities. The first one I went to was Austin, Texas. And that was purely a data-driven decision. I was looking at like cities that I'm not really close to. And I'm like, all right, why is Texas popping up? And I just typed in just a really cursory thing, art city, Texas, and then Austin popped up. And I was able to go down there and do seven interviews. And I was able to get it funded to do that and and it felt really cool because I was like, I'm doing something that really is completely guided by sort of what I know professionally and being able to pitch it and speak to it. And in those conversations, I wasn't going down there to talk about sort of the dwindling black population in Austin, but that was baked in each one of the conversations. So it's like something else through the conversation like popped out that definitely aligns with what my values are. And it was through sort of arts, culture and the community piece.
1: I was working at the Connection newspapers during the 2008. I was I was working as an editor there, and I got a call from a Girl Scout troop leader, and she was like, she wanted me to write up something for the Burke paper because, you know, the Girl Scouts are going to be there, and we're going to have John McCain, like, vanilla cookies, and, you know, brownies for Obama. <laughs> and she was going on and talking and talking, and I just kind of like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's just, I don't think she was telling me that as a joke. I think that was just, this is how the perception is. And I went to John Smith, who is an African American gentleman who works in the, the production department. I said, it's all about race, isn't it? And, you know, I tell him the story and he goes, yeah, it all is.
0: It's one thing I want to throw out there really quick. Cause I think it's funny. It's literally a version of what you were describing I like talking to photographers and chefs, and I really admire chefs. And, you know, I was doing, um, as a failed pilot, we were going to do a TV show based on sort of the interviews that I've done. We were going to do like sort of man on the street, me and a production crew were going to, you know, different folks' places. And we went to a shop that does taxidermy, and they deal with funerary items. And it, it was very, very interesting, right? So we're going there, me and a crew, and it's a venue sort of next to a donut shop. And the person who owns this donut shop, you don't think it's sprinkles and sweetness. She's she's kind of a dick. And uh, <sighs> one of the things that happens, in is a whole Reddit out there. Back in, I think, 2009, she did some donuts. And some were orange and some were dark, dark, dark brown. And it's like, oh, these are Obama donuts. And these are, you know, other donuts. And someone was like, feed was like. You know, this is kind of like tone deaf and a little weird that these donuts are basically blackface. And she was like, if you see it like oh that, you're, God, blackface. you're You're, blackface you're racist. Face donuts,
1: I guess.
0: She was like, if you see it this way, you're racist and so on. Another person chimed in who's a black person or have you. And they were like, so let me get this straight. Either you're tone deaf or you're a bad artist. Which one is it If you're making these donuts? Because that does not look like Obama in any way.
1: How could you, how could you, how could, I'm, I'm still turning around my head around the fact, how could you be such a bad person if you were making donuts all day? Okay. Right. I mean, it's like, well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's they, ha- I've had everything and I'm beyond that. I am beyond joy. There's no more joy because I can have a donut every day of my life. And now I'm just, you know, I don't care. I don't care what I say or who, or who I say it to. I don't know. Yeah, it's, we're all doomed. <laughs> oh, at some level, but anyway, <laughs> I know we were on some progression here. But what's a good guest for you?
0: A good guest is conversationalist, a person that's that's open with, to talking about their stuff and to even add some more, I guess, flourish to it. If they got something that's a little quirky, a little weird in what they do. That's the thing that really gets me up. That's the thing that really gets me curious. And as you you know, you know, I do the rapid fire questions, what have you. And you have some folks who have this sort of canned response to every interview. And I pride myself on trying to just ask the questions that no one's either asked before I ask them in a different way. And just someone that wants to take the ride. You know, what I do when I hand out those, I give out the questions. I do some research leading into it. But, you know, when, you know, I get the questions over to them and I'm sorry, you know, we start talking through it. And when I feel that the answers are scripted, I'm pivoting. I'm like, this is going to be free jazz. This is improvisation right now. And some of the the interviews I do, because there are folks that are artists that are like established, like they've been in their career for 40 years. And there are some that are like, hey, I'm finishing up you know, art school. And this might be their first interview. This might be the first time someone has asked them to talk about their work. I hear that all the time. So I think, you know, there's a responsibility, at least I take a responsibility and One, not wasting their time Two, trying to show them in the best possible way, because sometimes people get super nervous and they might describe their work in a way that's not the best way to show their work. If you're trying to be picked up for a show or have someone check you out. And then on the other side, I've had folks who have come on and people will reach out to me and like, hey, I want to buy some of their work. How can I connect to them? I heard them on your podcast and just kind of thinking through like impact. And I'm not taking credit for anyone's sort of thing, but what it is for me means there's some, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's being effective in that way of showing the people and showing the community and all of that good stuff. And through this lens, that might be the the sort of atypical art conversation or community conversation.
1: I think you're lucky. You're fortunate. You're fortunate in the fact that I'm guessing the majority of your guests are performers. They're people who are comfortable, they're usually comfortable in their skin. They've had to speak before, but they might not have thought or prepared for the types of questions that you have. True. I mean, how do you how do you judge the types of questions you want to ask somebody? And how do you you know prepare them if you think you need to prepare them?
0: What I like to do, like, let's say i look at, what I have during a given week, you know, let's say I have four or five interviews and I'm spending like four or five hours on that Monday, just going through. And I was like, what's interesting about this person's work? What would they be open to talk about and trying to put myself in their shoes, trying to empathize in that way. And some of the questions uh, thematic is to like, you said your work is about this, talk more about that and really kind of delving into it, especially if something just, just catches my eye. And, I like when I talk to someone, I I remember I did an interview with Devin Allen, the photographer from Baltimore, and we did it in person. One of the, you know, rare instances, usually most of the interviews are through like Zoom or something. And he had thanked me after we arrived. He's like, thank you for not asking me about the Under Armour contract or Time magazine. That's all I've heard for like the last four years. And, you know, it's not coming from like a bad, like he he's unappreciative, at least the way I took it, unappreciative for those opportunities. But looking at, hey, I've had a whole body of work and a whole career outside of that series of photos or that period. And being able to ask him something, you know, I always hear you did your research or, OK, you out there scouring my social media, bro. You, you know, a few things about me. And I pride myself on that or even, you know, so. My last name is actually Watkins. It's Robert Lee Watkins and I did an interview with um, D. Watkins and we were talking about a few different things and I'd asked him, I was like, So you're an aquarius, right? He's like, hmm, we're we're on, bro. We're on, we're out here. And I was like, Yes, yes. And you know, we get to the rapid fire portion and that's when people kind of light up. Either they get terrified or they light up. And he's like, Oh, you're asking about the real D. And I was like, I am, not the writer, not the educator. And I'd asked him, I was like, I heard you really are in the cookies. And he's like, I am. And you see the smile come on his face. And I was like, what's your favorite cookie, bro? And he's like, chocolate chip walnuts, the only answer. And I was like, same. And we connected on that. Long lost brother. (laughs) What do you think
1: about podcasting now? You said you've been a podcaster for 15 years. You know, I wrote a book about podcasting, which it is what it is, a long time ago. But I haven't paid necessarily attention to what's going on. I know that the different platforms are fluctuating and... You know, I see people saying that podcasts are going away or, you know, they're not as successful as they were 12, 15 years ago. There's definitely a tone that seems different. The types of podcasts that are out there, it's almost like we're trying to get into that place, which they talked about a lot of. We need to get rid of all this dross. All this other stuff needs to fall away once we begin to monetize it and we, we organize the numbers and blah, 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 blah. I don't know if that's what's happening, but what are your thoughts about that?
0: It's a really good question to ask me, especially now
1: you're a data guy too.
0: Well data, I have a part-time gig working at the Baltimore school for the arts, teaching podcasting to seniors, just how to get started. And that's another lane. I'm going to be teaching a college class during the summer as well. And just doing a podcast and how to make it happen. And in that, you know, I have a way that I do my podcast and it's no right or wrong. It's just the way that I do it. And I see other people that do theirs their way and in teaching like folks who know about sort of the, the idea of a podcast the medium of a podcast, but how do you do it is always the question I have to revisit things. And then I'm seeing these different things as to, Hey, you got to monetize it. Right. Or sort of everything that has this sort of dynamic and this paywall sort of vibe to it. And the way that I do minds is I don't want that. I want to stay as independent as possible. I want to be able to do what I think is interesting. I've, I've had folks unsolicitedly go into me in, in the background. Hey, you should ask a question like this, or you should do stuff like this. And I'm like, you should get a microphone and do yours. And then the other side of it is I don't want sort of these interviews where I feel like folks aren't getting the opportunity to share their stories. I don't want to put that behind a paywall. That feels weird to me. That feels the opposite of the intent. So that's a piece of it. And I think that more and more of that is happening and there's always this sort of next stage. I've had a few offers to go into public radio and bring this there, but they just weren't the right time or the right deal or even someone like me, I don't really do the fake thing. I try to be as real and, you know, as authentic as possible and still performing obviously because it is a performance thing. And I think the notion of putting on an act and putting on something that's weird and kind of fake to fit what this might look like, like everyone wanted to do the Joe Rogan style podcast because it was successful. Well, you get a
1: lot of money yeah.
0: the talking head type or I do this. This is sort of my assessment of it. When I get on Instagram and I see these videos and everyone has the same recording gear and then I don't see anyone with the gear that I have. I'm like, yeah, you guys are just kind of replicating the same thing, and you're going to get cold.
1: A couple of things. One is that podcasting is still accessible. And actually, there are probably a lot of technical things that have made it a lot easier for people to podcast. But it's still the same challenge. I mean what is your podcast going to be about? Who's your audience? How often are you going to put it out? How are you going to produce it? How are you going to distribute it? All those things that people didn't necessarily think about. They just want to, I want to have my voice out there. I want to interview this type of person. And those are the things that are really whether you're going to succeed or not. It's not what type of microphone you have, although it is important you have a good microphone. But the other thing that you touched on was authenticity. That's the thing that they've always talked about with podcasts, is a reason why a lot of people gravitated to them and were moving away from radio and radio news, broadcasting, that they could identify with the host, that it seemed more real. And also you throw the accessibility in that, then, then, if you're a person who's focused mainly on your computer or your phone, you know this is a way for you to sort of gain your identity, or put your identity out there.
0: Yeah, when I'm talking with with my students and, you know, we're at the stage where we're doing the recordings, we got through the whole process of building out and having the foundation, what is your show? You know, how do you want to go about it? Where do you want to distribute it? Things of that nature and really hammering that in. Then we get to the part where now of doing these test recordings and really getting those reps in. And when I'm working with someone who's really interested in doing it and, you know, not in this sort of, hey, I want to get my voice out there, get my thoughts out there, and I'm like, do you have 10 episodes? Is it 12? How many episodes do you have in mind? What is the arc? What is the style that it's kind of close to? And at the end of the day, who's it for? And, you know, for a long time, you just have people with really good gear. You know, a lot of roadcasters I saw purchased. And it's like they're gathering dust. (laughs) Yeah. When, you know, I do this, I talk with my partner on occasion about it. And she would ask me, so what's on the schedule this week? Who are you interviewing? So on. And I was like, well, I have 18 interviews next week. She's like, well, oh. And now it's like, you know, I have four interviews this week. And she's like, okay, that's a lot better than where you were at. And being able to put out really quality stuff, but starting to look at, I enjoy it. I get a lot out of it. I get a lot of satisfaction, a lot of joy out of it. But at the same time, you know, you only have a number, a certain number of hours and energy and resources and just kind of making those things count. And part of it is trying not to just record because, you know, so I've been a bit more curated and a bit more reticent as to who I'm bringing in, who I really want to talk to. Going back to your, your question from earlier, who do I want to have a conversation with to paraphrase?
1: You end up throwing a lot of things at people. And on the one hand, if you get, if you get really into podcasting, you want to do everything. You want to, you know, take it to the next level and do this. But there are a lot of people who start up podcasts and never get past episode four. It's harder. Podcasting is harder than people think it is. You know, I hate to say that, but so then if this is a hard thing to do that not a lot of people listen to, then, you know, what is your motivating factor? I think you may have answered that, you know, but what is your motivating factor?
0: For me, it's it's definitely showing my city and showing communities that I think this stuff is interesting. I think these folks are interesting. I think their stories merit being considered in the, the artistic canon or from a community standpoint. I think it deserves to be documented. I think, you know, someone like me is capable of documenting. I, I love seeing a corny white dude go traveling to these black places and they don't have the references. They don't and not saying that I do, but you know, at least, hey, where's where's sort of my opportunity to present things through sort of my lens and show this idea? I'll share this with you. You'll you'll probably be tickled by this. When people see me in person, right? You don't look like a podcaster. And that's the thing that always gives me a lot of juice. I'm like, what does a podcaster look like? Is it me being six four, three hundred pounds? Which one is it? <laughs>
1: You know, I, do, I record in a garage. Come on. <laughs> I'm in my mom's basement. It's fine. I'm in my, my mom's basement. I get out. Anyway, you mentioned your rapid fire questions, which you, you know, you gave me rapid fire questions, which I enjoyed and which sort of took us down some interesting paths, but I have written some questions for you. How many do you ask? I three or four. Three or
0: four. Okay. All
1: right. Well, I wrote a few more of that, but I'm not going to ask them all. <laughs> all right. Let's, you know, first thing that comes to your mind. Umbrella or raincoat. Raincoat. Yeah, me too. Cake or pie. Cake. Favorite cake.
0: Uh, tr- 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 uh, Chase.
1: Would you <laughs> rather go to a concert or read a really good book?
0: Concert. Of
1: course.
0: <laughs> oh, what? Okay.
1: Name a movie or a TV show that made you cry.
0: Selma, actually.
1: Hmm. Yeah good
0: movie it is
1: and the last one is if you really really needed help who would you call first I
0: would called my dad actually as i okay. like to call him rob watkins uh prime
1: <laughs> prime
0: <laughs> marines get it done i'll just say that <laughs> oh there
1: you go oh well i explained so much about you <laughs> did you did you travel all over the country and the world to bases or was it just
0: no it this he was a vietnam guy so this is before oh. I was...
1: oh. oh okay All right. Well, we're still in January when we're recording this. What are your goals for this year?
0: Goals for this year. So when I do the Truth in this Art now, the last few years is always trying to have um, sort of the sub series of Truth in this Art Beyond. You know, I've done New Orleans last year, Philadelphia last year and some stuff in D.C., but D.C.'s right here. Right. So what I want to do more of is kind of visiting sort of these other regions. So. Detroit's still East Coast, but that's on the list. want to do Richmond VA just to see us like, go a little bit further south and, you know, hopefully start laying the foundation to do some interviews in Atlanta and Miami and really like have this sort of East Coast arc, start to take over that East Coast a bit with these interviews. That's right there. And last year, I did a little bit of that, that legwork and visited Detroit just to get an idea of what's here. And I've interviewed some artists who have relocated from Detroit to Baltimore, and they keep telling me, hey, you got to go check it out. So I'm actually doing that, and I want to do some little, like, four-arc, four-part sort of uh, series in Richmond and in Detroit to be a part of this larger series. So that's on the horizon. 80 episodes is sort of the goal for this year, maybe a few more, but 80 is the goal for this sort of calendar year.
1: When do you usually drop an episode?
0: For this month, I was doing this theme of comedians. So I got local comedians, and it's been each Friday uh, this year. So from the first Friday in January through the end of the month, I got four great comedians, and I threw two sort of, like, bonus ones in. I had an artist who I share a birthday with. We learned during the podcast that we have the same birthday. So I was like, I got to just put this interview out, and she's actually doing a residency in the U.S. She's from Denmark. So I put her interview out, and... One other thing that happened was definitely hyper bonus was the last two years I've been interviewed by a guest and they wanted to put it out on my birthday. So my birthday is this past Saturday and an interview I did with uh, artist Wordsmith went up and he really wanted to show love and really document and, you know, put me on the hot seat as it were. And so this month, six interviews, and that's, that's pretty much what we got. And, you know, thinking about things through quarters too. So like first three months, these are the themes. And then I'm going to be preparing and thinking about sort of what the next three months are going to look like and who's going to fund it and things of that nature and thinking more strategically as to how I'm putting out the content.
1: Yeah. It's still, it's yeah. still enjoyable. I'm still enjoying it. I'm getting the impression that you still enjoy it.
0: I love doing it. I, I want to throw this out there because I think you might find this funny. Last year I was able to partner a little bit and I'm going to continue those sort of like partnerships. So like, You know, I'm really into the cons and things of that nature. So, you know, DC's convention, Awesome Con, I'll be working with them again this year. And I've worked with them the last like three years, Blurred Con as well. And Baltimore by Baltimore, a big music festival that happens each month from June through November. And I'm like their registered podcast. I'm interviewing the producers and getting their story. And one of the really cool things that happened, I don't know how to swim, which is context but i don't know how to swim so one of the things they wanted to do with it because they are client they wanted to show the waterfront that's where the festival happens and it was someone's wise idea to have me my guest and one other person taking photos on a boat in the middle of the inner harbor doing a podcast, podcast <laughs> and it was exhilarated
1: <laughs> you got through that very quickly
0: it was so many. It was so many comments. He's like, "Rob, you're really good at this." He's like, "You didn't blink one time." I was like, "Yes," because I, I thought we were going to drown.
1: I couldn't blink. I physically couldn't blink. <laughs> well, Rob, thanks for coming on the podcast. We should definitely do this more often. Let me know when you're going to be, when you're going to be, or where you're going to be at Awesome Con because I, I go there every year. Anyway, thanks a lot. People can listen to Truth in This Art wherever they find uh,
0: podcasts. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun.
1: You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who report the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. To make sure you don't miss an episode of It's All Journalism, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco is our audio producer. Amber Healy writes our web content. Amia Brust is our booking manager. Steph Thomas manages our social media. Nick Dupre composed our theme music. Carolyn Bilefsky designed our logo. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.